Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Haas Talks Foss. I'm the Haas, head of open source strategy here at Percona, Matt Yakovit. And today I am here with Yahav Biren from AWS. How are you today, Yahav? Thank you. I'm doing great. It's Monday. It's Monday. That's right. It's Monday. Um, and right now, it, it always happens when I record something, someone decides to do work outside. So right oh, now, sorry. my neighbor has is yeah. running the lawnmower and he's trimming some bushes and he's doing all kinds of other stuff. So I'm like, ooh. Um, so hopefully that doesn't get picked up on the mic. Uh, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen during one of my uh, recordings here. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. So uh, Yahab is going to be joining us at Percona Live. And I wanted to sit down and talk to him about uh, you know, some of the things that he's done, talk to him about his career, where he got started, and what interests him. So uh, yeah, maybe you can just give us a little introduction to yourself. Okay. Um, so yeah, so thank you for having me. Uh, I am a solutions architect. You know, I'm in the last three years. I've been a solutions architect in uh, AWS. I was uh, supporting uh, a DNB customer, digital native businesses uh, uh, customers, as well as uh, gaming uh, customers. Now, uh, the reason that I like uh, to support these two types. Of, of customers because that they are the, these two personas or, or customers time offer you a, the, the things that I that I'm very interested in, which is large scale of everything large scale database large scale compute and that is uh, the challenge that uh, that I like to uh, usually to to solve um, um, and uh, before that, I was uh, I was working in uh, a large uh, gaming uh, uh, company, was a product manager, and before that, working for Microsoft as a product manager in the compute. So my the way that I like to see myself is that I like I am a generalist that like to specialize in everything. Ah, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's great to get your hands into a lot of different activities. Uh, you know, I'm sure that that's something that, you know, a lot of us appreciate because getting stuck just doing one thing over and over again can be a little mundane. Um, so having the ability to float around is often a good thing. Now, you mentioned uh, some focus on gaming, and, and I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because that's a very interesting topic. I've given a couple talks on that. Uh, I've actually published a couple articles in uh, a few places on the, the gaming industry and databases as a whole. And it, it's interesting. So my experience in that space is you, you tend to have kind of a twofold problem. And I'm curious if you've seen this as well, where you've got not only the game itself that needs its infrastructure and its data related activities, but you also have all of the ancillary pieces that they might outsource or they might purchase or license from someone else, whether it's matchmaking services, whether it's chat, whether it's something else. And all of them have their own databases and all of them have a potential point of failure. And I, I, I found that testing from a gaming perspective, they tend to do a lot on the core game, but a lot of those ancillary services, they tend to under test. And I don't know if you've experienced that as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, th 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 that, that's exactly one of the problems, the architectural problems that uh, customers usually have when they are designing workloads. Uh, on the climb, games workloads, I should say, or gaming uh, workloads. And, and it's exactly what you said, because the critical path of the game 
is you and I are just uh, shooting or building things, right? But then if we want to take, if we want to make a micro transaction or making other things that are not on the critical path, it is usually uh, delegated by other services to other services and that by design and architecture, it, it, is, it is decoupled, right, from the game. And, uh, and that's sometimes uh, neglected in the get neglected in the in the design. Um, it's um, it's 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 something that uh, the reason that it's also neglected is because that it's usually not just it's not on the critical path, but it's also a part that is not the most important part of the game because it's if you think about it, those things are just transactional, like any transactions. Right, yeah, yeah. purchasing looting, purchasing loot, or any oh looting, sorry, or any other things. Um, I want to mention something that in previous Percona uh, in the in 2020, I presented a uh, a a, um, a talk that uh, help games that helps games uh, uh, games uh, uh, customers to detect fraud in gaming so oh, what we yeah, yeah, yeah. with machine learning so what we've done we basically looked at all the data set include the the game events and the microtransaction we combined all of them we helped to build a model right a machine learning model and help the the game uh, live ops team to go and access this machine learning inferences through uh, through MySQL or Postgres, right? So you can actually query, run SQL functions that will, on the back on the on the on the back end, gonna call machine learning uh, machine learning models to detect fraud. Yeah, and we'll put a link in the video here just so people can check that out because I believe that's recorded and on our YouTube channel for those who are interested. Um, or we'll put a link to the slides because we'll have those from the, that Percona Live. I, I do remember that talk um, as well. And, and I think that that's a, a, a really interesting, you know, segue um, because I think that, you know, as we talk about, you know, the need for databases in the gaming industry, it's always growing. It, if it's not the actual critical services or even the ancillary services, it's the metadata, it's the auditing, it's the, you know, trying to find those, those problems. And and I think that, that, that that's an interesting space because, you know, gaming is one of the spaces where you could have one game has dozens if not even hundreds of different workloads that it needs to support from an infrastructure perspective it's not just an oltp it's not just a you know in memory you know engine it's not just a you know analytics engine it's all combined into one and a lot of times if one of those pieces breaks it then causes cascading impacts Right, right. And this is why you would like to design your system in a resilient way so it's not going to be impacted. Uh, the, 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 there is another there is another pattern that I'm uh, that I'm suggesting is that when you use when you when you basically have let's say that you have a large let, let's 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 try to think about a large scale uh, game, right? That spans across many regions, right? 
and that and it stores its uh, its state somewhere in some database, right? So you need to make sure that its state will propagate across all the regions, right? So and it's not just from from resiliency perspective. You want that the game will be more performant, right? You don't want to write to an Asia Pacific well when the when an instance when the when the when the player is playing in Virginia, right? Or in, in the East Coast, I'm sorry, right? So things things like that. So you want to think about the architectural thing uh, aspects to spread it nicely for both performance and the uh, and the uh, and resiliency. And that needs to be applied across not just the database, but also on the compute, right? And all of those, all, all, all these two layers needs to be decoupled, right? So they will not experience the cascading effect that you just mentioned. Yeah, and I think that um, one of the things that I have seen, especially from the problems that occur like week zero or, or week one of, of a game launch or you know early on, those architectural issues that weren't flushed out or people didn't think through the design or the implications, those tend to bubble up very quickly because the traffic ramps up so fast, right? And and that's when you start to experience that pain. And unfortunately, if it's a design issue, that becomes a more difficult issue to fix. I mean, you can you can add additional hardware fairly quickly. You can, you know, grow instance sizes. Maybe if you you've added the ability to scale a certain way and add nodes, that that will, you know, you can add horizontally as well. But if you've designed the schema or the infrastructure a little wonky, uh, maybe you haven't built in all of the concepts to do that scale quickly, then that really can hinder uh, your launch. Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about it from compute perspective, um, that's easy. I, I think it's easy. It's just because that you because the, by nature the compute is is stateless. So you just need to think about spinning up and down uh, resources to address uh, uh, needs player needs. But what you what you what you mention now is much more critical on the database side, right? You want to make sure that the the players will have the right uh, performance uh, sorry the, 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 they, they will have the, the the right reaction from the system on time and then there is another thing right you mentioned that in the first two weeks things uh, things ramping up really really fast but what what if the game is not is not successful right why what happened if after two weeks, everything going down so you also want to react faster and not spend too much time in uh, in, in in modifying those things when when things are trending down so the elasticity is becoming a critical path especially for games right because it's very trendy it's not like a, a bank right uh, that, that 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 will have a stable patterns and games are very emotional uh, workload. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. so so we, we need to think about those things as well when we design yeah. games. Yeah, events and other things, uh, new new patches, updates, you know, add-ons can cause those spikes at any one given time. And um, you know, once you launch, sometimes you have to support for a really long time, and that means that you know over time you will see not only the increase but the decrease. Um, hopefully, if you're successful, it's a slow decrease, but <laughs> eventually it does happen. Uh, but speaking of design, you know, we, we just went through COVID, you know, the last couple of years, which meant that uh, there were a lot more people 
online, a lot more people looking for alternative ways to escape, which means that from a gaming perspective, from a streaming perspective, from an online perspective, the traffic went ballistic. It went crazy. Everyone lived on the internet for the last few years. I mean, we lived on the internet before, but we took advantage of living on the internet the last few years. And your talk at Percona Live is talking about how that spike in traffic, how the additional workload on Postgres databases started to manifest, especially with larger data sets, um, some locking contention. Um, and that was something that you started to see and you worked with uh, others to help address. Maybe talk to us a little bit about what you saw there as the traffic started to ramp up, as those data sizes started to get bigger. Yes. So, so, the, so it is a combination of two things. The first one is what you mentioned, right? People just spend more time at home and they were doing things from home. So instead of going to order something, they were ordering things online, right? So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's one thing. But the second part is that uh, we in AWS, in Aurora specifically, we build a platform that allows you to store a lot of data, right? A lot of data. And when I'm saying a lot of data, I'm talking about tens up to hundreds, actually. The limits, the official limits is up to hundreds and 20 or 130 terabytes of data set of your Postgres, which is, which is unheard. Usually it is, um, it is, it does not meant to be the, the, it, the hundred and the hundreds of terabytes does not needs to be stored in the hot path of the application, but, uh, but, but theoretically you can do that. And then the combination of these two started to, uh, uh to manifest in, um, uh, in uh, locks that we haven't seen in, in process. As a matter of fact, when we were troubleshooting the customer issues, we had very little reference uh, in the in the Postgres uh, community to talk about uh, about these uh, the symptoms and this is one of the reasons that my partner Sami and myself, who is a database engineer, um, uh, chose to uh, to experiment that, to investigate that, and to blog about it and present it here. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I and I think that this is one of the the interesting patterns in databases that I think application developers might take for granted, um, especially now, maybe not before. But I've seen as people are moving faster to get applications out to you know do new releases, um, they they tend to try and treat database. Uh, databases as a commodity, they do less design work. Uh, and so they rely more on, you know, sometimes tools or ORMs or other things. And so it works and that checks the box for them. But then it doesn't really necessarily work at scale. And, you know, it's it's like one of those those problems that it's just bubbling underneath the surface. And when it reaches um, a point where you know the the underlying structure can't handle it anymore, it it bursts and it 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 causes quite significant slowdowns. And unfortunately, um, right now, you know, fortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, we we, we don't have a lot of patience uh, for slowdowns. Uh, you know, on on the web or in games or on applications, we kind of expect things just to work and we want it now, right? Uh, so even a few. Uh, milliseconds or 100 milliseconds or a few seconds, it, it's going to cause a bad user experience and that can really hinder 
um, a company's overall um, value and uh, you know their perception by the community. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. This is exactly what, what we've seen. I, you mentioned the ORM, right? The customers are trying, they want to start fast, right? They want to start fast and they just go with some uh, naive approach. They focus on their business, right? And they just want to make sure that the ordering system is in place or whatever the business logic is. And they assume many, many things or basically delegate that to the platform and the platform as the ORM, but also to the infrastructure, which is AWS or whatever your favorite uh, uh, cloud is. And then when they find, when they hit this spike, then they are uh, crying uh, for, for help and, and rightfully. Now, there was another talk that I gave in reInvent, in last reInvent in Vegas, that talks about that. How you could just, before you jump into this naive uh, uh, design, which is good because it's by design. You want to start fast. You don't want to think about all your schema and how the referential integrity will work at all because you don't know those things at this this stage. So the talk that I gave uh, in in in, uh, in in reinvent actually help you give you four tips that just think about those things right before you go and write your application make some assumption and then you just go and you're going to be safe when you're going to hit the terabyte uh, mark in in the hot uh, in the hot data set and now that i think about it maybe it's going to be an interesting talk for the next procona Oh, yeah, definitely. Because honestly, I think that's one of the big areas is lack of design skills or understanding, wow. you know, the, the choices you make early on impact you. Like, like I said, it, it's, it's actually really more infinitely more difficult to make design changes to your application after it's live than it is to add additional infrastructure, to add additional nodes, to scale up, um, to scale out. Um, those are things that, you know, we've done as an industry, a good job in providing you tools to do some of that scale. I mean, you know, the, the, the Amazon interface for adding nodes or replicas, it's very straightforward and simple, but your application has to support that. So, the design is where the focus area needs to be in the future in order to ensure that you have great scalability. Yeah, and the canonical example, so I, I, it, it's all spot on. And the canonical example of what you just, what we just discussed, is partitioning, right? So you start, a, you started application, you start a, a new application, right? And you start with the ORM, with the ORM, right? And you just define your schema, and you just go and and start building, right? You launch the application. It does lots of insert, does a lot of updates. Your database is growing. And now what? Now you need to partition your database to reduce the hot, the hot, uh, the, the, the hot data set. And doing that when you have data is an open heart surgery, right? Mm, but, if you, but, but if you do it before, it's just a modification, like a true modification in the ORM spec. And that's it. And you're done. And that is thanks to Postgres, right? The Postgres engine evolved a lot in its, uh, in its support for partitioning. And, um, and this is another topic that I'm investigating right now with, the, with, with my buddy, Sami, that is going to present with me. And that is what we want to do. We want people to think, to, we want to add these partitioning things and, 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 other, and, other, and other patterns to be the, the naive 
approach. When you start, you just put it there, right? It's just there and you don't have to go through this open heart surgery and make these changes, heavy changes when you grow. And if you didn't hit the, the growth that you wanted, it's not a big deal. You're not going to suffer from, 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 from the, the new naive approach, which is uh, just partition your database. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, that that's a, that's a critically um, big mistake that people make is they don't think up front. And I, I think it's great advice that you need to think through some of the implications early on to avoid the, the problems later on. Now, um, changing gears just a little bit. Uh, one of the other things that I know that you have some passion for is contributing and working within the Kubernetes community. And going hand in hand with, you know, the large scale applications is also, you know, that kind of building out the ability for applications, not just the databases to scale out. And a lot of people have been um, using Kubernetes and microservices as kind of the de facto standard uh, as you're designing new applications to roll out um, you know, the ability to scale those applications. So I'm curious, what, what sort of work are you doing in the community? And maybe tell us a little bit about some of the things that are going on there. Right. So if we move up a little bit to the application level, the AWS and Kubernetes allow you to spin up as much compute you want or didn't even wish to, to run. But with that <laughs> yeah. comes a problem, right? It comes, they, they, there is, a, there is a, a, an increasing cognitive load to understand how to A, operate all of that, right? And, uh, and yeah, how to operate and manage it. And give, gonna give you an example, right? Kubernetes is a blessing and a curse, right? It allows you to do all kinds of, to define all kinds of, uh, of uh, operators. I think Percona has, 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 has an operator for their uh, stateful uh, uh, application as well, but it offers you lots of flexibility. Now, this offering is is manifested in many many configuration files and all things that's supposed to help you to go and deploy that helm is what the, is the is the is the product that i am uh, is the service that i'm uh, 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 contributing it i'm looking at patterns that customers are adopting and they are facing the challenges that they are facing on how to deploy complex a complex application that includes all kinds of uh, primitives, Kubernetes primitives, but also their operators, right? And deploy it in, a, in an easy way and help them to operate it and manage it uh, more effectively. So the, my main contribution is around looking at patterns from customers and translate them into uh, Helm charts that uh, that basically make the 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 DevOps the customer DevOps life uh, easier. Yeah, and I think that that's super critical. I, I mean, you know, we, as we talk about the shift in design paradigm, um, so many companies now are all about enabling developers and developers are all about building their individual components, reusing what's out there. You end up with a tapestry of many different technologies across many different environments, across many different, you know, implementations, and it's getting more and more complex. So anything that we can do to 
kind of rein in the complexity, give some tools to make it a little simpler is critical uh, because there's just so much. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've talked to people and, you know, they, they might have, you know, an application or a set of applications that has, you know, seven, eight different databases that are part of the infrastructure. They might have, you know, a couple different, you know, development stacks within that same, you know, infrastructure. They might have, you know, all kinds of microservices, dozens, hundreds even, and they all do little different things. They all have different little requirements. Uh, so it's really that shift from managing just a few servers to managing hundreds or even thousands of servers. I, I mean, and I think that that shift requires a lot more focus on on the ease of use and on what you can do. And I think, you know, Helm and, and Kubernetes, you know, uh, definitely go hand in hand in helping to kind of reduce that craziness. Yes, yeah, servers is one dimension. I would say that this is the X dimension. But yes, the Y yes. dimension is the complexity, right? Microservices take the monolith and decompose it, right? Every component in the microservice has its own uh, config, has its own binaries because you separate them. And that is, that, that makes, that's the cognitive load that I was referencing before, right? So, so the complexity is multidimensional and, and, and Helm particular specifically help you to go and take all the abstraction that you made, put them in one chart or two and, uh, and just uh, hand it to the DevOps team to go and operate that instead of going and, 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 and figuring uh, 7,000 config maps, etc., in your uh, Git repository. Yeah. No, I mean... Reducing that complexity is so important, so critical. Yeah. Well, Yav, I, I want to thank you for joining me today. This has been a great conversation. I just love talking tech. I love talking about database stuff. I love talking about the industry. So th this has been spectacular. Um, I hope that uh, those who are listening will join us at Percona Live. Uh, Yav's going to be there and we'll be able to get together, maybe have have a drink or you know chat a little bit more, but love to hear about the work that you have uncovered in debugging and kind of unblocking some of those uh, low-level locks um, in uh, Postgres. Perfect. Yes, thanks for having me. And uh, I, I, I really, really looking forward to meet all of you. Please come, uh, come by. If you, even if you don't have the time to uh, watch the... Um, to, uh, uh, to, to listen into my, uh, my uh, topic, I, I would love to uh, hear about issues that you have and if i can just you know take some information and uh, and build some fun things uh for next percona awesome. awesome all right thank you bye-bye thank you matt bye-bye wow what a great episode that was we really appreciate you coming and checking it out we hope that you love open source as much as we do if you like this video go ahead and subscribe to us on the youtube channel follow us on facebook twitter instagram and linkedin and of course tune in to next week's episode we really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us